Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Well, good morning, friends. Uh, grace, mercy, and peace to each and every one of you in the name of Jesus. Amen. And this is our last sermon in the Roman series, so we've made it. Um, praise God for that, nine and a half months or so. It's been really good to just preach through an entire book of the Bible because, uh, in all honesty, this is the way Scripture was meant to be read. It was meant to be read uh, book by book. And so it's been good to just begin at verse 1 and end at the last verse of chapter 16 today. Um, this sermon is going to be kind of a short one. Uh, you'll never hear me say that again, uh, but it's going to be a little short because uh, after about 10 minutes of reflection on the text, uh, we're going to take some time as a congregation to do our own reflection on what we've learned as a congregation uh, throughout this series on Romans. Um, and so if you're a guest here today, pay special attention to the sermon because it's your only exposure to Romans thus far. Um, so you'll need something for our later exercise. We're going to be taking uh, some sticky notes. Everybody has sticky notes in their pew, and we'll be taking those and placing them together uh, on the outside window of the narthex. And I think that'll be good for us just to be able to see collectively how we've grown, how we've learned uh, together as Christ's people as we've gone through this letter. Now, some of you may be wondering, what are we going to be doing next week as we uh, preach? And uh, we'll be going back to our normal lectionary system, the appointed Old Testament epistle and uh, gospel reading, which we normally do. And so we'll be picking it up with Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus next week. You know, you can still take notes, even if you don't have a journal. Um, you can use a journal Bible, or you can just... Uh, right in the margins of your Bible, uh, and that's perfectly acceptable. Um, if you really did enjoy going through uh, a journal where you can take notes, we're going to be doing that again in a couple months. Uh, did anybody get the postcard in the mail yet? I don't know how fast the mail works here in Kearney yet. Sometimes it seems quick and sometimes it doesn't. But either Monday or Tuesday then, you should be getting a, a postcard from us. And that's about an upcoming sermon series in January and February. And it goes along with a booklet that we wrote uh, that everybody in the congregation will get called Growing Disciples for Life, the Mission of Holy Cross for Every Member. And so this will be another opportunity for us to uh, walk together in a sermon series and take notes together. Uh, there's space for notes in the booklet for each sermon. So just be aware of that, that that's coming. And so that'll be the next uh, sermon series on the horizon. So let's go ahead and read our text. It's actually all of chapter 16. And as we read, you might think to yourself, what is the point of this chapter? Because if you've read Romans 16, you know that it's mostly a list of greetings, a list of names. But as we read, I want you to remember that each of the people that Paul greets are people just like you and me. They're people for whom the gospel of Jesus Christ has made a real and eternal impact. 
And not only that, the gospel that Paul preached has the power to not just save individuals, but weave together tight into community those individuals who have been saved. God's gospel is able to take often very diverse people and weave them together into a community of beloved children of God. In fact, as we read, one word that I want you to be aware of that you could potentially underline or circle is the word beloved because this is what Romans has been all about, about God taking enemies and making them into beloved, forgiven family members, children of God. So we begin at chapter 16, verse 1. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Cancrae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanitus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asinacris, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philagagus, Julia, Nerasus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss, All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sassipaster, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortus greet you. Now, 
him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, as we led, uh, read this uh, long list of greetings and also names that are hard to pronounce, um, once, like I said before, this chapter may not seem very important. But what we need to see here is that these names give us a snapshot of the very real Christian community in history that Paul wrote to, the real flesh and blood people for whom the gospel had made an impact just as it makes an impact among you. Uh, for one, we learn some interesting historical details about Paul's ministry and the Christians that he worked with. Uh, so, for example, we learn the name of the woman who carried the actual letter to the Romans from the hand of Paul to the church in Rome. Her name was Phoebe. Uh, she was a deaconess or a servant in the church. She had an official role within the congregation uh, in a church very close to Corinth. In fact, that's one of the reasons we know that Paul likely wrote from Corinth is because of this reference. Uh, she was likely a patron, meaning she had uh, wealth and influence and was able to support financially the church. And then also, she was likely on official business, of her own business, uh, as she went to Rome. And Paul said, hey, when you go to Rome on business, can you take this letter to the saints in Rome with you? And so this letter that we preached on for nine and a half months and that has shaped the life and the faith of the church for over 2,000 years, or almost 2,000 years, passed through the hands of this servant, Phoebe, before it came to you, and we give thanks to God for that. A couple other details, uh, once again, reinforced to us that Paul wrote this while he was in Corinth. Uh, Kennecre is a port city close to Corinth, and some of the names that Paul mentions are names we hear about in his letter to the Corinthians and in the book of Acts. Once again, Romans takes place in history, right? Real, live human history. In fact, archaeologists uh, in, I believe, 1929 unearthed an inscription stone in Corinth that has the name of Erastus, the city treasurer. And many Archaeologists think that perhaps this Erastus is the same Erastus uh, that greets the saints in Rome as Paul is writing the letter. We also learn that Paul did not write this letter by hand. Did you know that? Paul didn't just sit down and get out some paper and a pen and write this letter, but he dictated, as was the practice back then, he dictated the letter word by word to a certain scribe named Tertius. And he gives a shout out to the saints in verse 22. I suppose that after writing such a long letter, he deserves to have his name in the credits. We could go on and talk about these historical details and how interesting they are, but I think the most important observation that we can make about this little picture of Christian community that we get in chapter 16 is how diverse it is. We know this actually from the names. From the names listed we hear the names of men and women 
greeted by Paul as fellow workers in the gospel. We hear the names of Jews and Gentiles, people often estranged who did not get along with one another. We hear the names for slaves and for free persons, names for both rich and common people, showing how the gospel of Jesus Christ was able to unite a very diverse people. Despite their diversity, one thing united each of these names It is the gospel. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, these people were woven together tight into a community of God's beloved children. People that were once separated from God are now reconciled to God. People that were once estranged and hostile toward one another are now family members, part of the same community, beloved, all because of the gospel. And the same is true for us. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a you and God thing, but rather the gospel we've heard preached through Romans is an us and God thing. The good news of the gospel is not just that God has reconciled you to himself so that now you are his beloved child. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has called you out of isolation and into community, out of loneliness and into community, and not just any community, the beloved community of God's people. Something I've been thinking about lately is, is how loneliness and isolation are probably one of the biggest problems that we face as a society. In fact, some studies suggest that loneliness is more dangerous than smoking. Whether or not that's true, the point still stands that loneliness is harmful and it's not God's plan for us. Isolation is not what God has created us for. We were created to be in community. And yet, strong cultural forces have driven us into isolation and away from community. Now, some of these effects were felt even before the pandemic. Television and the internet and smartphones don't encourage talking to your neighbors, right? They kind of drive us inward into our own little worlds, our own little interior worlds where we are cut off from others. And this was the case before 2020, but it seems like something happened in 2020 where now that we're even out and about, we've still become kind of solidified in our preference of isolation. It just feels safer sometimes to be alone, even if it means being alone in a crowd. Even if you don't have a health risk, it just seems safer maybe to watch church from a distance rather than participate in community with real flesh and blood Christians. But this is not God's plan for us. He calls us into a beloved community of real people with real names, all gathered around the real presence of Christ in his word and his holy sacraments, which communicate to us a real and a living gospel. And yes, community is hard because we all have real problems and real issues that hurt community or make it awkward or uneasy at times. 
But nevertheless, community is good. Friends, Christ died and he rose again for you so that you could be part of a beloved community where your name is known. This is the aim of the gospel, that you would be known and loved by name in community, both now and forever. I suppose that in in some respects, embracing community might be as hard as quitting smoking, right? I mean, there's just so many cultural forces that would make us prefer to be isolated, even in a crowd. But the Spirit of God is with you, moving you toward community. It is God's plan for you. It is what the gospel creates, to be known and to be loved by name, and to know and to love others by name, just as Christ knows and loves you by name. Amen.